This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. At MidwayUSA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, then I have a great hunt. Deer didn't move like usual. Yeah, we just got set up in the middle of this bedding thicket. Oh, and saving this spot from the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice buck. <laughs> It's a 170. That was money. I think he's down right over there. 10 yards. Woo! Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. We got bars and we got snares in our headphones. <laughs> We're having a little technical difficulty like normal. We're still learning. We're almost two years in. Still can't figure out how to click the buttons to make this thing work. But here we go. It's Whitetail Wednesday coming at you. We got Byron Horton on tonight or today on Wednesday when you guys are going into your ear holes. Prime rib day. Prime rib day. Bush light day for us. AC ripping in the AC background AC ripping day. in the background on this <laughs> intro. Um this I'm jacked for this episode. I'm also jacked because it's season in Illinois now. I'm also jacked this episode was a banger. Yeah, it's very um, good. If you are hunting public or thinking about public, um, this is this is an episode for you to listen to. Um, check out the Whitetail Experience page. They got a lot of good public content there. Um, Byron's a great dude. Started a friendship with him. I'm excited to watch their season fall out and excited to 
to keep this collaboration going and maybe reach out at the end of the season and, and see how they did on public and kind of see what our goals. We went over our goals, their goals, their tactics, kind of what we think might work because <laughs> we don't really know anything. <laughs> the, the, the difference in goals just explains, like, you know, the gap in where you're at and where I'm at with yeah. with hunting and yeah. hunting public and just the whole the whole bit. Yeah, it does. It's, it's cool how uh, – like we always say, we're a little bit different. We make each other better by being a little bit different because we're always challenging each other on what we're doing or um, just having that different outlook, different set of eyes is, is key. So uh, let's get into the people that make this possible, and uh, we'll get into the show. Start out with the VIP Veteran Broadhead, the title sponsor. I was shooting the veterans the other night at 30 low light. Um, I was doing kind of like a rush shot deal, and they were flying nice, man. I love that you can just get them out of the package, screw them on, and you're ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember back in the day, you know, trying to get something to, to dial in and, and struggling a little bit. Uh, I haven't really had heard anybody have a complaint about them not flying true. So it uh, seems like they're shooting out of crossbows great also. Yep. Um, and the 175, I haven't heard anything about that. Um, how about that guy? What do, you, what, what do you even call that, that goat that he shot? Was that New Zealand or something? I'm not I, sure I'm what not he called sure it. What, but that guy is just shooting the <laughs> that crap out of everywhere, stuff dude. with the veteran. I need to get his name because he's he's just killing everything with it. <laughs> so that guy is shooting some exotics in different countries with, with the veteran. So that's awesome to, to get those international kills. Yep, yep. All right, and getting into this week's VIP Veteran Broadhead shout-out. This week's shout-out is Jonathan Scholl. He is the Appalachian Custom Call owner. Uh, we had him on episode 68. Uh, be able to go back and listen to that. Um, John was a 95 Bravo, and uh, he commented that on our Facebook post. So, Jonathan, we appreciate your service. Uh, we enjoyed talking with you, and we can't wait to get some of them calls out there this spring and uh, get them all fired up. Uh, let's go to ECW Calls. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Thor What's his last name? Help me out. Uh, We're going to look at Nichols. Um, he bought uh, ECW Call, and he's blown away by it. Loves that it's made by a veteran. Love that it's custom made. He said he's going to get one for his wife. And, and his father or father-in-law. His father and his father-in-law. But uh, he reached out. He's a big listener to the podcast. We wanted to give him a special shout-out for buying the call, supporting us and our sponsors, and also being cool and messaging us. We say yeah. that all the time, like, right? don't be afraid to message us, and he did it, and I think that's awesome. And uh, we struck a friendship up with him, so I wanted to give him a special shout-out on this episode to just say thanks, man. Appreciate you clicking that play button. Uh, appreciate you talking to us, telling us what you're enjoying, you know, and just talking regular deer hunting with another guy because that's what we like to do. That's why we created this podcast. He's got a two-week jump on us with season. I know. He's got a stud he's chasing, <laughs> yeah. too. He showed me some pictures, so I'm jacked for him. Um, it seems like he's really at that stage where he's getting into it hardcore. Nice. So that's it's it's fun. It's going to be fun to see his season transgress through, through the year. <laughs> what? Trans... What did I say? <laughs> you were going to, like, transition and uh, progress. And... The next two, transgress. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be nice with that's that gonna place. That's going to be nice. Everybody's going to be like, Whoa. Oh God! Why don't we even listen to this show? Right? <laughs> I can't. I can't kill big deer. I can't talk. I can't write. Can't speak. I don't know what can't I can't spell. I can't spell at all. I don't know what I'm good at besides this. <laughs> <laughs> crack. Okay, cracking cold ones. Got that covered. Um, what do we got? Scent lock. 
Um, I got the bag out over there. I do. How do you have the burrs on it already? Bro, do you know where I hunt? <laughs> the, the birds just travel with me everywhere I go, but I'm sure that came off something um, from turkey season or something that I threw in there. Because I was wearing my face mask for turkey season. Could have so. been when we were pu- pulling cams on public. Yeah, it could have <laughs> definitely been that. But I got the bag out in the corner. I actually plugged it in and ran it. Um, I figured I like all the stuff that's in there. I gave it a couple really good. Everything's long still uh, holding up on it. Everything's still holding up good. Hell yes. Um, I'm brutal on gear. Um, everything I have is half broken. Besides that sitlock bag. <laughs> 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 so. Uh, what do we got? Ingram. Ingram. Oh, Ingram. Dude, I, I'm blown away by the stuff he's putting out right now. <laughs> Season's here, guys, and this guy has went like, his stuff was good, mm-hmm. but then he just soared here recently. I don't, I, he's got something figured out. It's just uniqueness, uniqueness, stuff's coming out. Waterfowl, turkey, that turkey, he's gluing pig hairs to the <laughs> head and stuff. Like the detail is. The floating stuff in the water, that set yeah. that off. And then the water, different colors at different like depths. It, like it had like washed up yeah, and receded. Up. I'm like, oh, dude, like the details, right. so intense. You know what I mean? I think maybe he's figured out how to manage his time better and feel, and you know, yeah. now that he's full time, he's he knows he has a lot more time to spend. And th- that's, so that's what we're seeing. down and really seeing the skill come out. So. Yeah. Instead of like a normal taxidermist, you got so many heads part time trying to pump stuff up. He's taking his time and really creating like epic stuff. Yeah, you know what I mean, so big shout out to him. Definitely pumped for him to yeah, he's see, been crushing see what's going to be coming. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to have to just shoot a duck now just to get one. <laughs> I, I don't even duck hunt very much. I go occasionally, but I oh did he he had a snow flying. He's mounted yeah, a water. Yeah, he had a blue. Yeah, blue something. Yeah. I don't know. He's mounting a crap load of waterfowl right now, which is cool because that's huge around our area. So um, big shout out to Ingram. You guys hear him all every week. He's been with us for since the beginning, yeah, man. Yeah, way so back. He way believed in us way back. So um, we can't thank him enough for, for continuing another year with us. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we get four or six bucks. Six bucks, Yeah. Too. That would be the really best solid, case scenario. You know, six bucks. <laughs> um, nothing over 130 for me, guaranteed, but at least six of them there. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's it. Um, you guys are going to enjoy this show. You listen to us, uh, you know, have some fun at the beginning, but there's a lot of tactics. Um, get some notes out for this one uh, if you're ready to attack the public ground and, and kill your first or your tenth public land buck. There's something you can pick up in this episode. All right, we got Byron Horton on from the Whitetail Experience. Thanks for coming on tonight, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Looking forward to this for a while. Yeah, I know. We've been trying to get this lined up for a while. It's hard. You're a busy man. We're busy man. Season's, you know, coming up or in for a lot of people, so it's hard to nail one of these down and uh, and spend the hour on the phone, but we appreciate your time. Yeah, yeah, and again, man, uh, both of us trying to – Oh, get out some content, record podcasts, edit videos, and then wait, wait, wait. Most importantly, try and kill some deer, right? Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. That's coming up on us. We're we luckily we got our we got our stuff done early, and we just had cams soaking for like five weeks, and we got enough out that we feel like we covered some areas that we knew were good, anyways. And whatever we pull is what's going to be because we decided not to go back in there and make a move on them. So we. We hung some in summer range, some in fall range, and hopefully we get some bucks transitioning from one area to the other and we can catch them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. We start in like 10 days, and 
I'll be doing a decent amount of like glassing. Maybe I can get out one or two times here next week and uh, finish up some broadhead tuning. I'm, I did. I'm just antsy to go at this point. Yeah, we're we're just talking about that. We're we're ready to go. I'm I'm nervous, man, because we lost a lot of our shooters on the private. But uh, we'll see. They're they're slowly trickling back <laughs> I was in. Say they're coming back a little bit. They they did that. They did that shed velvet gone for 11, 12 days deal that they do every year on us. And every year, like right, they're all dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you see all yeah, the EHD then, stuff online. You're like, oh man, they're all dead. Dude, and then uh, I feel like on on public, like we get the uh, dove squirrel blasters that sabotage us. Um, we had we had a buck pretty located, and uh, we knew once we saw him and repeatedly saw him, I was like, he'll never be there come opening day, just because it's like right next to like a pretty popular like dove area and any sort of squirrel blaster. It's like it's like something that you gotta like account for. I feel like is is locating those deers after the uh, small small game season start. Yeah, I did that same thing as I got a bunch of cams right on the backside of a dove field this year, and we had a mega giant on public found. And uh, I'm interested to see what happened. I, I, it'd be cool to see if it coordinated with, you know, when dove season started that he did disappear or something, and that's something you can kind of game plan for next year. That It's always hard to hard to decide how much they're put up with, you know what I mean, since it is – a dove field you know they're used to people being there are they going to put up with it or this is it going to be like any other area they're just going to roll out so sure sure i think we get into the meat of the show here uh we uh hunting public something i've done for a long time i used to be solely public and then i stumbled into some incredible ground some luck with some buddies who's like hey this piece has been overlooked for a while and you might want to see what's on. He's like, I never really seen any big deer on it. And then it happened to be a, a mega. So, but I used to hunt solely public and uh, that's something that we're going, since I lost that ground, we're going back hardcore on it this year. And homie's going to do his first sit on public this year. Yep. So he's pretty excited about that, but I'm excited to have you on and break down some public land tactics. I know I can learn a lot. Um, when I was hunting public, it was more of a, more of a find the pinch points find some sign kind of deal but i know you can break it down strategically a lot more and since i've grown just over the past five six years my outlook on public now is completely different than it was back then so uh let's just have the do a short introduction for the listeners sure sure so like oh uh, like i said byron horton out of columbus ohio um i am kind of the producer or founder of the whitetail experience um kind of like a online web show a lot of content all kind of really centered around public land um dabbling some very small private pieces on on a, a very slim occasion but public lands where i cut my teeth and, and and the whitetail experience is kind of how i uh oh i guess hone some of my my videography photography and editing skills uh, we're starting to branch out now and do some some, some side work with, with a few companies, and, and including Lone Wolf Custom Gear. Uh, used to run around with a new breed and Kyle Noel for a bit. But, um, yeah, my main focus is definitely, like, public land. And I would say it was kind of founded because I felt like early in my bow hunting career, I was kind of, like, tricked uh, from the industry. I was, I was thinking I needed to shoot Rage Broadheads and these carbon express arrows and, and to kill deer was about sitting on the on field edges. And I, I couldn't, I shouldn't be shooting a hundred inches. And 
um, that's what I, that's all I knew. I didn't have any good hunting mentors and, and, you know, kind of started dabbling in some public land. And I was, I just, you know, started to evolve and, and realize that, man, like there's information out there for, for, for the average guy to, to really actually start being able to kill some good deer. And, and that I was just so tricked by watching so much, I don't know, general, you know, outdoor television and and that's kind of what how i started the whitetail experience and wanted to show that the average guy putting in uh, you know more more work and, and and how he can actually kill deer and it's, he doesn't have to shoot the latest bow and he doesn't have to oh have the, the the best of the best broadhead or arrow set up that you know it's more about the scouting it's more about the woodsmanship it's about putting gas in your truck that's more valuable than any piece of equipment um so that's how i got started man that's cool, man. I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, hunting season is getting closer, so YouTube's on a lot at my house when the kids aren't picking something to watch. But uh, if you watch a lot of them, it's hard to relate, man. That For us, a lot of it is, you know, they're sitting over a bait pile. They haven't done a lot of scouting. They're waiting the deer to come to them. Or um, they're at an outfitter where they haven't done much yeah. work, you know what I mean? So I like watching your guys' stuff uh, as well as a lot of other people's because – you know that this guy has found this deer, put the work in, you know, and got on him, you know, instead of showing up to an outfitter. And cause if you, I, I bet you 80% of stuff that you watch on, on TV or even online, a lot of it is my probably less online, but at least 80% is a guy at an oh, outfitter yeah. that has no idea what deer he's about to sh- shoot until the guy, shows them a picture and then they name it real quick, <laughs> you know, exactly. and then they say, Oh, I've been getting, we've been getting pictures of this deer for three years. Well, it's actually the outfitter that's been getting the pictures and they just seen him, you know, two days ago for the first time on cam, you know? So. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I just feel like, Oh, the, the guy shows up and pulls the trigger, but he didn't do any scouting. He didn't figure that deer out. I, I, I even enjoy like watching even private films as long as that guy's kind of breaking down and working for that deer and actually, like, you know, putting that puzzle pieces together. Yeah, for sure. So let's get. Uh, you said that you've been doing a lot of scouting lately. I wanna, I wanna kind of get your idea of how to approach a public land area that you wanted to scout, um, and then maybe we'll bounce some ideas back and forth. I got some questions that if you don't cover, I'd like to ask. Sure, sure. And I think it'd be cool to like just bounce back and forth between what you're doing and and, and what we've got going on and what you're seeing. I mean, I know you're a successful guy. Uh, in the whitetail woods, but um, I, I I would honestly look at this as like a year-round approach. I feel like that was the biggest oh biggest thing when, when I started, you know, being able to get on deer in general and get on a higher caliber of buck on public. It went from some scouting and some you know a decent amount of hunting to dude. I am I, I did for example last winter I put on seventy miles in the timber. Um, and, and so I think it, it takes that year-round approach. And literally, if you kill a buck and you're done in December, you need to be scouting at that point if you're going to tackle a public piece of any size or even a few public pieces. That's always something I, I, I like to recommend to guys is having a backup plan um, but, but attacking a few pieces and starting as early as you can. Because um, we got families and we, we got stuff going on. So it, it's something that as soon as you can, you need to be in that timber learning it. Um, finding food sources, browse, bedding areas, especially bedding areas. Um, 
other hunter pressure, private land food. It's it's one of those things that boots to the ground is like the biggest thing. I I, I do a lot of e-scouting. I probably look at maps two hours a week, um, year round, and obviously more during season and and when when I'm about to go for a for a boots on the ground scouting mission. But um, you really you really learn from actually putting boots to ground. Something can look great on on, on aerials, and you go in there and there's three ladder stands already there um and it's just cold and so so yeah i would say that's that's the biggest piece to the puzzle that i've seen and then it, it kind of just rolls into to, to obviously shed hunting um in the spring and starting to sprinkle out some cameras maybe during turkey season i'm not a huge turkey hunter i have no idea what i'm doing um and then come come summer or something i like to do if i'm looking at a piece or maybe a new piece is okay i've scouted it i've laid all these pins out I kind of need to look at access a little more by, by repeating visits to these places. And obviously I, by driving those roads, I'm glassing, I'm spending time there. I'm learning, um, those kind of type of pieces and maybe the, 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 the DNR didn't mow an access route that used to be mowed. And, and so that piece now becomes tougher to, to, to access, or you realize, Hey, I can pull off the road here and, and, and jot down an easement that you never knew was there because the first time you were there, you, you, you parked your truck, I don't know, half mile down the road and came in that way. So I feel like between winter scouting rolls right into summer scouting, and I don't put as much emphasis on summer scouting. I sprinkle some trail cameras around. Um, I like to run them in easy-to-access spots, um, especially in farm country. I feel like farm country, I can, my favorite setup is putting it on like a private bean field on the, the border. Um, I'd say in the big woods, I prefer creek crossings, and that and that's really because I can double and look at tracks. Um, generally, creek crossings are a natural funnel anyway, so I'm getting a few more pictures of them crossing that creek. Um, and there's only you know a few creek crossings, say for a 50 to 100 yard strip, and so I like I like those kind of things in the big woods. But yeah, I mean, it, it, I would say just the year round style approach with a heavy emphasis on winter scouting. I'd say we're the same here. We took a big dive this year, dove in the public, and went covered the whole thing pretty much, uh, two different properties, and uh, really didn't leave an inch uncovered. And uh, we got I got back to one spot, and I think was I on the phone with you, or maybe I was FaceTiming you, but I was like, man, this is this looks really good. And then I found a shed that was like three years old, laying right out in the open. So I'm oh, like, man, dude, no cool. one's been back here for a long time you know what i mean and i was like oh you know i was like oh coyote probably drug it in here or something that <laughs> dropped you know what i mean but it was like up underneath the grass and the tips were dark you know and the rest of it was white and chalky i was like man this thing hasn't moved you know for a long time so once i seen that i was like man there's been no one back here yeah so, it, is that the piece you may favor or start your pursuit at or if you said you were gonna hunt Oh, 10 hunts, you'd put seven of them on that piece? Uh, the tire piece, probably yes. Uh, the other piece is good, but it, the pressure's just so much higher. Um, we also, we, we went, me and homie went back there, and to get there, mm. I mean, a lot of people say it, they got tough access, but this is this is up there and what I've done to access a spot. If we shoot a buck... Um, where it's you're gonna have to be a cut up pack out kind of deal because it's just sure. it's just impossible. It's not long distance. I mean, it's probably a mile and a half. It's uh, three quarters of a mile. Three quarters, yeah. So yeah. it's three quarters of a mile from where we can drive. 
yeah. but there's just a couple ravines and stuff that literally are just you got a bear crawl out of well of we had to cut our way into it uh-huh. like we mm-hmm. we had to take handsaws and cut our way in to be able to get back there and then i told homie i said man there's no one back here and then we got right on the edge two trail cams i'm like <laughs> oh man but so oh. we, we went about 250 yards 300 yards past them where i wanted to go and um uh, it's just one of those spots i walked all the way to like you said the neighboring ag um checked it out uh and seeing where they were crossing the fence heavy that's one thing i like about the winter you can see you know, that grass is dead, and when you get that thaw, rethaw, they get, like, a really good mud spot where they're hopping the fence. You can look for tracks, get an idea of what's been going through there, and then follow it back to where you think they're bedding, you know what I mean, without even running trail cameras. You can get a pretty Id- good idea of those winter trails, even if it's in tall grass, they're kind of knocked down, and sure. uh, follow it back to bedding, and then kind of put the puzzle together, and the spot that I found that shed is just in a perfect pinch point um, where... There's a bunch of drop-offs and some water that the deer, the water's got a bunch of little saplings grown up in it, like almost a swamp where, mm-hmm. I mean, a d- deer could go through there, but the water's probably six foot deep with trees growing all over in it, so I don't think it's going to happen, um, and it's going to pinch them into 30 yards. So anything, and there's like no trees there it's overgrown pasture and there's one tree right by you just said my favorite word man there's one tree right by where we need to be and that's (laughs) the only tree out there you get to stand in and it's right there where that pinch is and there's a little pool of water behind there and there's there's an ass load of tracks down right in that little pool of water right behind there so we know that there's deer using it in the summer but i think it's gonna it's a more of a you know it's rut you got a doe coming back to bed and a buck's behind it. You know, that's what I see it being as key. Um, the wind's going to be hard to hunt there. Yeah. Uh, that's, but the access is kind of tough. But I told, you know, it's one of those places that we decided as a team that if we go in, no matter what time of year, it's all day. Because oh, if, yeah. if you get the deer back to the ag, then you can get out. You know what I mean? If you let them go to the ag, or if you let them come off the ag and then you try to get out, you're going to bump them all out. But we decided that if we're going to go in there, we'll be at a, be a pack-in hunt. Um, homie bought a lone wolf set yep. going hardcore on public. Bought a brand-new lone wolf set, getting it set up. Got the lock and walk set up. Yeah. But uh, I'm with you. All-season scouting. Um, I do it with shed season just because you get to scout. You get to see all that past sign. You get to see – Okay, there's three, four scrapes here. You know, maybe I'm not going to hunt it, but this might be a good place to hang a cam and see what's in the area, you know, next year. Um, that's that's kind of how I, I dig it, just like you. Um, a lot of bean field scouting uh, with us. If we find summer bucks, they leave. Uh, every There's very seldom that, unless we have past history with a deer. If we have past history with a deer, we feel like, and he's in the summer. We're like, okay, this buck's going to stay. But if we find a new buck, that thing is gone, it seems like, every year. <laughs> Don't it? I mean. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, you, you know, I also look at, say, say, like public land. If you see, like, a shooter, right, I feel like that that lets you know in the summer, okay, there's a that's proof of life. And, and, and so that means that caliber of buck can be there. And I feel like, too, with public, it's not necessarily, at least with me, on the pieces I hunt that are, oh, I would say they're bigger-ish, but uh, medium to big. I, I, I know what the public land looks like here in Ohio. You know, you can have 
oh, a 200-acre small section. But you could have, you know, we've got three big national forests that are thousands and thousands. Um, I feel like, you know, the pieces we hunt, they're, they're some good size. And so you're, you're not necessarily hunting one buck, but, you, but you, uh, you're definitely trying to hunt the best place or, or the best doe bedding to, to kill a, a good buck, you know, something that, that, that tickles our fancy. And, and so, like, individual deer, I'm not really sh- too hung up about. Um, it'll give me a starting point or something maybe to look at. But, but also just knowing that that caliber of deer, you know, from, like, that shed antler, okay, there was a good one in here. I'm, I'm going to pursue this a little more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, that's kind of how I am. Even, you know, on the private piece, I don't know kind of how my public venture is going to turn out. We'll get into that more as the season comes in, but just like on the private, you know, like I just group all the deer into like, you know, a shooter category. Like you're either a shooter or you're not, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I'm not to the point in my hunting career to where I could just like, find a buck and like go after that buck and like that's the only buck i'm gonna shoot you know right right and and my partner dave my my business partner kind of the you know another guy here on the whitetail experience like he talks about it all the time he goes okay i could go here and hunt deer and i could probably see some does maybe some small bucks but where do i need to hunt today to to, to kill a good one where's a good one gonna be mm-hmm. yeah that's a, that's a tough man depends on the time of the year but once and one thing I will like to say, even when I was on public, uh, solely public, when you find a spot that holds good bucks, <laughs> there's a reason that there's good bucks there. So there's going to be good bucks there again. Uh, I feel like that's not something that a lot of people say. In my in my experience, even on public, unless something crazy happens where the pressure explodes, like last year when I was hunting public, I have never not sat in this spot and had an encounter with a really good deer. And last year, pressure was high never seen a shooter in daylight so yeah i got a couple on cam i got quite a few on cam but i never seen one in daylight and that's that'd be the third year or second year that'd be third year i was hunting there so two years Mm -hmm. in a row i had shooter bucks within 70 yards and last year pressure went up nothing but two years ago you had the same buck two different times yeah two years had the same buck two different two different times out come out 65 70 yards you know just i'm just not i not comfortable with that so but uh, yeah and then i had i had that deer pegged i'd circle around uh after dark and i'd you know pull into this drive and scan this field boom he'd be out there feeding i'm like all right this i know where he's going he's going to this feed field but i never could let I should have went on on the grounds. What I should have done. I told mm-hmm. homie. I don't know how many times we've <laughs> said that. It was we just need to do some radical stuff and go in on the ground because I probably could have killed that deer or at least got an opportunity. But yeah. I'm shy on that stuff, man. I just like I like to be up to where I can see and 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 go sure. from there. But I think dude, that's. La- oh, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say like last year, dude, out of state. I I, I did two out of state hunts. Well, three out of state hunts, but but I went to Indiana twice and those pieces i didn't know and so i spent a lot of time on the ground dude and i was shocked at what i was able to like get away with or get on deer and uh like i passed like two deer in indiana 100 inches i hit like a 130 in the shoulder um here in ohio dude we were we were sneaking into a piece to hunt an acorn flat and i look and here's a doe at like 45 yards i looked at my buddy because he you know he hadn't killed a lot of deer and i said you know shoot this deer if we can and he didn't even have a release, so I tossed him my release. He wrapped <laughs> it up, and we toasted his doe on the ground 
Um, because, you know, we spotted that doe at like 40, 50, and she worked to like 20. And uh, I I am shocked at what sometimes, like, I feel like we overlook that ground game. And even like uh, hanging low tree stands, dude, that's something I'm, I'm doing more and more of. Um, you mentioned old field edge or uh, old pasture, dude, and that's something I'm really keying in on as far as um, that's not stuff normal deer hunters look at and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to go hunt that. And, dude, I am finding sheds in those places. I am finding – that's where I killed my buck last year, um, you know, in a tree two sticks high. And he worked his way in an hour before, like, dark, dark. And, and so, dude, I'm I'm definitely a fan. When you said, oh, this place has got old field hedge or old old pasture, I'm like, dude, that's that's where it's at. Yeah, that's I've, – I've always said that. CRP, old pasture. Not really even CRP, just – Grass with trees growing up it, nasty stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Stuff me and homie, get we, we hunt a piece. Yeah, me and homie hunt a piece, and um, I set high uh, on I climbed way up in a cedar tree packing hunt one night, and uh, I seen like 12, 13 deer, and they were just standing up out of the middle of nowhere, you know, and if you would have walked in, you would have bumped them, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, that's when I told him, I said, man, access in this thing, that's one bad thing about those places. The bucks can bed literally anywhere in that. So you have to be really careful on your access of what are you going to do, you know. Um, but, like, we decided sometimes you just hunt. You know what I mean? If you got to get there, you know it's a good spot. Um, just get in there early, try to beat them back from the ag, and then stay there until they go back to the ag. <laughs> <laughs> so That's you're right. not burning it out. But I think this is a good place to transition into kind of how you guys – so we went into how you scout. So let's go ahead and talk about how you attack public land or how you hunt it. Sure, sure. Um, I think first and foremost, like um, having a few good places um, is key. Obviously, like we've got a couple years experience, which which helps. Uh, we got a couple hunting holes, which helps. But we're always trying to poke around and hunt some hunt some stuff that we we, we pick up and 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 want to hunt new this year. But yeah, I would say as far as hunting we look at the season as far as every 10 days stuff is shifting every even week stuff is shifting. And, and so being mobile is definitely the name of the game for us. And, and the power of, of the first time sit, like that's just been recited over and over. But like, that was something that took me from being an okay deer hunter to like that next level. And, and we started actually back in the day, this has probably been 10, let's see here. 12, 12-ish years ago in college, dude, we had those junk $100 field and stream climbers that were 30 pounds, loud and annoying. Um, but we'd see deer. Um, we'd get on deer. We, were, we, we, would, we would climb different trees and stuff like that. And then, obviously, once we got a little money, we were able to get the better, uh, the lighter climbers. And so now, obviously, it's full stand sticks. That, that, that's, that seems to be the name of the game there. And... Um, having so many good spots is definitely key. So the scouting plays into that. And so I'm able to go, okay, season's about to open up. I know this field this year is alfalfa, which is going to be hot. These beans are definitely cold. So that alfalfa now is, is probably the best food source in the area. Oh, this piece over here, I know there's a couple pin oaks and those are going to be pretty good this year because the oak crops down. Um, my big wood stuff, I know where the better hay fields are. So, so it, it, it comes down to, to, to having done your homework and then it's literally, you know, once the season goes off, it, it, it's, it's still scouting in season. A lot of times I feel like on evening hunts, 
we uh we definitely go in with a certain location in mind but dude every step you're looking at things and you're realizing if it's getting hot or not based on you know rubs scrapes tracks um browsing pressure dude how many guys walk by greenbrier don't even check if it's been browsed um that's something that we've really um started noticing and taking notes in, in on x um on those different things um I would say looking at access, you mentioned that earlier, and, and that's something that when we look at hunting, we look at places that, that, that are, uh, we have places like called the Hell Hole, which is a terrible access, dude. It's literally a mile long. And then we got another place called Death Valley that is literally the easement's 400 yards. Then you got to turn and walk across an 800, uh, maybe a thousand yard field before you even get to public land. And, and how many guys are even able to drag a deer that far or hunt those type of pieces? So that's, that's something we're looking at when we're hunting um, is, is those factors. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, uh, other hunter pressure. You mentioned that um, earlier that, that a piece had shooters back-to-back years, was very hot. Dude, if we walk in and it's it's cold because Timmy got a 410 and is now squirrel hunting his butt off in a certain area, um, we got to be able to recognize that and pull out. And that's something we're getting better at. I feel, I feel, uh, um, you know, we're not, we're, we're trying to not like fall in love with locations and old hunts. And so pulling out of those, those and, and, and going to find what's, what's hot and where there's a good one at this year is something we, we, we definitely, uh, kind of are, are, are adapting to and, and doing more and more of, and, and maybe that's some of that ground hunting, you know? um is playing into to to that as well um uh, i'm trying to think what else we do that's kind of slightly different or next level um i I would say uh the the rut is definitely you've got to have your honey holes um you've got to have those doe bedding areas that you know are going to still hold those especially after the out-of-state pressure picks up um, I would say our state, Ohio, is a cheaper over-the-counter tag. It's the first state to the east, and so we see we see a flux of pressure. Um, so so we we may experiment a little more in October, and then go to our honey holes and come November and hunt those areas that are a little tougher to get to because um, you have to. That's that's where everything's been pushed back to. Um, and those are a couple of those you know, leading into November edge. Gun season's a totally different game. Late season's a little different game, but that's, I think, a decent run through of what we're doing into October to, to even all the way in the, uh, late November. We got a late gun season. So to be honest, that final week of November, that is the cruising late last guys cruising. We hunt a lot of pinch points that late in the year. Um, two years ago, I can think of a day right around Thanksgiving, Dave missed. And he'll admit to this, dude. He had two debacles in one day and missed two shooters. And two weeks later, we went in there for gun season. I shot the buck that he missed with his bow. But it's one of those things that that oh, we we kind of are shifting what we're doing almost weekly. That's a good tactic, man. Because, like you said, I th- I feel like on public you have to play it by ear a lot more than you do on private but just it's just pressures number one you know there's challenges to both public and private but the the pressure um it will take a good spot down to to nothing you know what i mean oh. mm-hmm. uh, in in a day you know like you said if someone's in there squirrel blasting or it's shotgun season and 
here, which I do not like, late season, well, I like that they leave a lot of ag, but they also allow um, anybody that has a shotgun tag left to go to the public ground and fill it on a doe. Oh, geez, and man, a- it's rough. It, I went out there this year and had some <laughs> bad encounters. You know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. people see me in the tree, I'm bow hunting. I'm packed in a stand. I'm pretty deep. Uh, and here comes someone with a gun and takes a shot at a doe at 150 yards and sees me in the tree. I'm bright orange waving at him like, don't do sure. it. Don't do it. You know, and he's shooting past me, you know, to shoot at these does um, and then don't even go see if there's any blood on the ground. I got to get down and go up there and look and see if he hit the dang thing. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. that's something I do not like, but, uh, we get a lot of out of state pressure too. Uh, one quick story. You, uh, go ahead. I was going to ask you, do you see the, the flux? You guys are obviously like a premier state, um, a little bit higher tag though. And I wondered how that affected out of state pressure. We see a lot of Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, a ton. Seems sure, like you guys see the okay, okay. Yeah. The people that leased right next to me and killed one of the one of the biggest <laughs> eight pointers I've ever seen in my life and had the chance to hunt is from Pennsylvania, and uh, it was the second deer he's ever killed, uh, and it, oh, it, it, it is a hundred and eighty four inch eight. Okay, so it's absolutely mega. But yeah, they leased. I I don't even know how many there is. We heard how many gunshots we hear opening morning. Forty two, I think. Yeah, forty two on their side of the fence during shotgun. They just they just let it rain. But uh, public Wisconsin guy, uh, nothing against Wisconsin. I love you guys. You got it's a badass place to live. But I uh, hung a stand in this spot. It was probably late October, mid October, right before the rut, and. Uh, it was hot, man. There's a lot of sign. And it was one of those places where I was like, man, this, is, this isn't this is real far back, um, but I'm not going to let this sign go. I'm going to hang this stand. I'll come back. You know, I was leaving that night. I hung it at night, and I was going to come back the next evening and hunt. Well, sure. I came back that next evening, and my stand was at the base of the tree. This is Scout's Honor with a, with a note on it in a plastic bag that says, this is my number. I'm from Wisconsin. I've hunted this tree the last five years. Um, he's like, your stand's here. Your sticks are up on top by the CRP field next to this log. Call me, and I'll give you directions to him. I was oh, like, God. I was like, holy smoke. So I took, wasted this time hanging a stand in the dark, you know, and then come back the next day, and it's on the ground. Uh, but during the rut, man, like it's, I just stay off there. Uh, there is some really nice deer that are shot off that piece of public during the rut. Um, and it seems like it's funny cause you go back to the parking lot when I was hunting there and they're like, Oh, did you see that 11 pointer? The guy's like, yeah, I seen it. And then other guy's like, yeah, I seen it. And then other <laughs> oh. guy's like, Oh yeah, I shot it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's the same buck that's just cruising for does and everybody's seeing it cause everybody's kind of just hunting the same areas, you know? Sure, so. sure. Now, now, let me stop you real quick. We're, we'll talk after the show, and I'll get the name of that piece, and we'll we'll, we'll talk later. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's not a bad piece. There's a lot of people that hunt it, um, and there's every year there's a giant that's shot off of it, like random as hell. I got I had a guy when that guy shoot it last year off that that power line cut like the 15th or yeah this, yeah it was something it was really early october and he shot a mid 150s 10 pointer you know uh Jeez. off off of a kind of a pinch point uh power line cut where 
there's use there's like a main trail that everybody hunts and then like 80 yards to the north of it there's like that unknown buck trail and mm-hmm. that's where i cut my teeth on public and it's good uh late season it's great because they leave a bunch of food and if you can get there before the gun hunters <laughs> it's really good but yeah do you do you think uh, and this is something i noticed uh know, hunting uh, even hunting different states and, and stuff but like here if I see an out-of-state plate, like, in the parking lot, I almost think that guy obviously knows what he's doing a little more than what I call the dicky mose. Like, I feel like we see a lot of pressure on public from guys that, that hunt the same stand, same ladders. Uh, maybe they got to hang on even. But, like, the non-mobile guys, the guys that are just rocking the Walmart camos, smoking cigs, those are the dicky mose. I fear... I fear the, the out-of-stater more because I know that guy's probably looked at maps and looked at them multiple times and He's probably got decent equipment and decently committed if he's going to drive eight hours to pursue whitetails. Yeah. Yeah, I've had it both ways. I've had guys that are legit, and then I've had guys that are like, oh, this is Illinois, you know what I mean? So, And then they know exactly how many Booners were shot in the county, exactly how many Pope and Youngs <laughs> were shot in the county the year before, you know. Sure. And uh, I actually had one guy, I hope he's listening from Wisconsin, um, I gave him a ride, uh, he was hunting – a field edge. I came out, you know, and it was dark and he was packing up and he's like, Hey, my buddies are hunting over there. Do you mind giving me a ride? Where he threw his climber in the back of my truck and he got out of the truck and left the climber in the back of the truck. And I wasn't thinking about it. And I drove off neither, you know, we just didn't get phone numbers or either. So I got his climber. So that's when you had the <laughs> sign in box back in the day, you know? So sure. I went in there. I said, "Hey, I have your climber. This is my number. Give me a call." Never got a call. Still got the climber. <laughs> so uh, hopefully this guy's listening. He's like, "Man, I did lose a summit climber," and or some guys just gonna cold best should be like, right. "Yeah, yeah, I lost a summit climber in Illinois." <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Now, now we the words out. Yeah, but yeah. So we, uh, I, I always, you know, public's different because you are competing against other people but I'm always gracious and everybody's trying to do the same thing. And I know if I see a guy back where I I'm at, you know, they put in as much work as me to get back there as much scouting as me. So I try to be gracious. It's hard to do, man. You get that squirrel hunter that walks by and gives you the antler, you know, thing on his head. Like, Oh, there's big buck over here. I'm like, great, boy. He's not coming now. You know what I mean? I've been sitting here all day waiting for him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, dude, those squirrel hunters are walkers, man. They are walkers. Dude, they don't got to carry anything, and they don't got to carry a deer out of the woods, man. Yeah. I almost, I have a theory, and I, I haven't, I've tested it. I need a couple more years, but like, I almost wonder in October if I should be hunting rabbit type habitat. You know, like the the grown up pastures, the CRP, because the squirrel blasters are in the timber. Now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that. That might be not bad idea, man. And, and, yeah, and then flip it come, come November when squir- uh, rabbit season opens up, like. Dude, I ran cams in a piece of public that got so much rabbit pressure. I had, I think, every three or four days, I'd have pictures of 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 uh, oh rabbit hunters, right? And, and maybe one coyote. I ran three cameras over this like CRP swampy area. Zero pictures of deer because of how many rabbit hunters were in there. Like every two to three days, like, and it was lit lit with sign like hammer trails, big rubs. I found one decent buck bed, and like I ran a camera there in the summer like on a bean field kind of semi close by like dude i got like more 100 to 120 inches than, than some of my other cameras that, that are better pieces i'm like huh 
There must be. I'm, I'm thinking there might be something there as far as hunt the hunt the rabbit habitat in, in October and then switch it come, come uh, November. Yeah, if you got a bunch of small game hunters, I know we rabbit hunt the in January. We rabbit hunt the state ground around here, so um, mm-hmm. that might be. That's one thing I might ask you. Last year, when I was out there rabbit hunting, you know, I'm scouting, of course. Do you guys oh, have yeah. locust trees in your area? Yeah, yeah, dude. You gotta watch them. Man. Have you noticed the deer hammering the locust pods late season? Dude, uh, two years ago, Dave and I found these hammer buck tracks. Found a shed. Followed these 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 two better tracks. We're not expert trackers. I'm not Joe Elzinger, but you know that's an area we're trying to improve on. And we followed them right to a bunch of locust pods, and then they ducked off into the the CRP. And I think I think late season that that could be a, a decent little food source, especially due to if you can get those probably like close to some some thicker bedding areas where they can eat like the browse and stuff. Yeah, that's what that's what this was. I was rabbit hunting, you know, and you're hunting the thick stuff, you know, during rat, you know, when you're out there rabbit mm-hmm. hunting. And we came up to these locust pods, and they're just hammered. I mean, the ground's just destroyed. And sure. uh, I'm like, man, I'm like, we need to get in here, just just do a set, you know, like set up in one of these crazy curvy locust trees. And Dude, if we, if we see a bunch of blood loss, you know, on the locust set. <laughs> homie's got a tree yeah. and a locust tree. Like I did. it's straight thorns, like six inches. And the only place is not thorns where the seed is and the ladder. <laughs> Dude, you laugh. So, so I have seen Cody DeQuisto do the same thing. He's like, Dude, that was the best tree. That's where I had to be. And like, I look at this locust dude and it's got like, it's like one of them like killer locusts. Like I'm like, dude, how much blood loss did you have hanging at that set? When it's the right tree, man, it's the right yeah, tree. You gotta right be there. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, homies on the same same thought as Cody. Like you know, I might I might need a trip to the ER, but I'm gonna kill a joker. Yeah, 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 you gotta do what right? you gotta do. The drive's there. You just gotta make <laughs> it happen. It's like that tree that we found out public. It's gonna be brutal to get in. We're gonna have to take like six steps and we ain't gonna be that high it's just because the terrain's so weird there like how you got to go up the tree it's all viney and it's gonna be brutal at least yeah. the, the stands adjust that's all i'm saying because it ain't gonna oh. be and it's gonna be there's gonna be cover but the tree's gonna be about six inches or eight inches where our hang on mm-hmm. is you know and it's one of those like all right he's right here let's let's make it happen don't move because there's literally no other place to go <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, that's something like I'm starting to do more and more is, is hunt low and hunt those like oh softball sized trees, man. Like I feel like one, you're hunting areas other guys probably aren't. And 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 I I've always gun hunted low. We've done that for for ever since we got standing sticks because you know you could carry in like one stick and an eight or and and get about mm, six to eight foot off the ground. You can see a good ways when you're gun hunting, but. um you know, I, I I started hanging out, obviously doing some stuff with with Cody DeQuista, and that dude, he loves to rock two sticks, get up ten foot area, and and he's like, I just like doing that, and he's he's like, my shot angle's good. A lot of times, I can find good cover at that distance, and 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 he loves hanging in them small trees. I think he it's that adrenaline rush of, of being, you know, with that close quarters, and so so last year I had a little more confidence to do that. Um, really started finding, you know, that to be a, a something I like doing and something I'm doing more and more of. And you talk about, you know, uh, I don't know how many times we're going to mention old pasture, but dude, those, those are the kind of trees that are in that stuff and the deer are there. It's, it just makes sense. Man. Yeah. It's like that, 
like that six-year-old ash tree that no one's looking <laughs> yeah. at that just is growing in this pasture of thorns and grass. <laughs> right. And I don't know what those trees, what those little bushes are. What are those bushes that just grow up like six, seven foot? And, and then just kind of just go wider? Just hold leaves forever? Yeah. That's what, Dude, it's either, it's either autumn olive, which is like an invasive, or it's honeysuckle, which is like a cousin of it. Um, you laugh. Forester guys will tell you to kill those on your places. But I've got a buddy who's kind of 50-50 forester, a deer hunter, like manager. He's like, you may want to keep a few of those because, dude, they're, they're great cover. Yeah, and the deer, they hold green leaves forever. I see deer browsing mm-hmm. them late season all the time, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we actually jumped a deer, bedded right on the base of one of those. We yeah. went back and hung cams. Yep. Couldn't get an idea of what it was, but it made a lot of noise getting up and out of there. And I think sure. it just gives them the spot in that pasture to get a little bit of shade and give them something to lean up against of, you know what I mean? And the, they got escape routes everywhere there, you know what I mean? Because every three foot, there's another little tree that they can dodge behind. Yeah, it didn't take far, or, you know, it didn't take long for it to get out of sight, yeah. so. So, I think that's another thing. They could see good. Um, I bet you, like, unlike a timber, you know, where you, in the late season, you could see 150, 200 yards in some spots. Right. There you can't. And then I also wonder if it don't have something to do with, you know, they're, most of the time that's flat ground, you know, where those overground yeah. pastures are. So, like, they don't have to worry about the thermals as much. If they have a direct wind, it's not swirling anywhere. It's blowing right at them. Mm-hmm. So I also sure. think that might be a key to why they like those areas. And then also I think deer just like those transition zones. They like where it's heavy timber to that hilly, grassy, nasty area. They just like the flirt with the edge and yeah dude that you are literally describing in farm country because i because i i'm about 50 50 as far as like i had some big woods in ohio where it, like there is no ag it's just big timber it's terrain it maybe a hay field but like clear cuts or thing, stuff like that but like in ag land i find most of my sheds in what you are describing as far as it but it's also I guess on the public, it's got to be far enough away that the rabbit guys probably haven't got there as much. Um, but yeah, it, it's that that older, oh, that older pasture, those those, those grassier, those thick, nasty, locusty, oh, just autumn olive and and brushy stuff, dude. That's that that's where it's at. I think we figured it out, man. We we're always deer scouting, but we should be rabbit scouting. <laughs> just going where the rabbits are, and the big bucks Dude, gonna yeah, be there. Our buddy Josh Profit, he literally says, if a, if a rabbit loves it, a deer loves it, or yeah. if a rabbit likes it, a deer loves it. Yeah, that's true, man. I'm gonna and, start and, rabbit scouting hard. <laughs> oh, so hard, Dude, I've got a bird dog, and he's like, oh, I have semi trained him on sheds, but literally. We we go to those areas and I I was I was I was so jacked right I see this solid side sticking out of the ground and we're about mm, thirty yards and so he runs ahead and he gets about six yards from this thing and just locks up and I'm super jacked I'm like dude shed training all those hours is about to pay off I see him turn to the left stick his nose in a bush brush and the bunny runs out that dude chose rabbits <laughs> over bow and I'm like, oh, can't, can't chase the light i try to train a border collie and pff, that's anything that moves in the wood is chasing it's like it'll retrieve sheds it'll be good for about two minutes and then it sees the leaves move and everything it's learned the past three years is gone <laughs> is, she, is she fixed oh, yeah so yeah so, so get this i've got another britney spaniel she's she's like a year and a half total pub like i've thrown an antler for her six times and 
I'm shed hunting this year with a buddy and we're in a thicket. Like you kind of described, like we are looking at this tree that is about as round as a baseball and you don't even need a stick to get in it. I'm like, dude, you got to hunt here. You got to put your stand as high as you can reach it and climb into this. And me and him are breaking down this tree and maybe breaking some branches because we're going to be in there this fall. And I turn around and she has a 13 inch G2 shed bucks probably we'll call him 140 but dude he's got a 14 to 13 inch g2 biggest shed i've ever found i have no idea where she found it she's been <laughs> trading on sheds for like literally like three tosses in the backyard and dude and we got it on a semi on video but dude i just praised her to death oh yeah <laughs> and, and and get this we're out in the big timbers three weeks later she finds another giant shed you know a side of roughly 140 inch buck man some dogs just Dude. got it. I've always heard that. Some dogs just got it, and neither of mine do. Yeah, yeah, mine. She's very, mine. <laughs> yeah, she's very, like, chewy, bone-driven, bottom line, dude. She's always got to spot the truck for, for, for scouting. Oh, yeah, long. for sure, yeah. My, she's my lab, annoying, too. My lab I bought just for shed training, just the laziest dog ever. I threw a bone, and it, like, runs out there, picks it up, carries it four foot, drops it. I'm like, I'm selling you getting rid of you <laughs> this is garbage <laughs> cut like like a coach with his with his clipboard cut. yeah yeah cut it cut it we're done but. whoever's got a cold case of bush light can have this dog yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh you you've had some pretty good success on public and uh i want to kind of break down we like to ask this on a lot of people what do you think you're if you could give like three if you could three main tactics that make you successful what do you think it would be Ooh. Three main tactics that make me successful. Um, I would say I, I put public land deer hunting as a as a pretty pretty big priority in my life. As far as like I don't play, uh, I used to play uh, soccer in college. I don't play any soccer right now. I don't play any basketball. Um, it's something I look at maps. You know, one to two hours a week. It, it's a very big priority. I. Even tonight, I shot my bone for an hour. Um, you know, the, the, the previous day, I was um, shooting again, 70 miles in the timber in the winter. Um, I'll drive an hour and a half to to literally pull a trail camera, scout for an hour, and, and then drive home to be with my wife, you know, at 10 a.m. And I'll get up at 5 on Saturdays kind of stuff. Um, number two, I would say... I would say being the ability to have and hunt um, multiple good spots. Um, so you've done your scouting, and then you've got the equipment to go in and, and hunt those spots. And I used to have, you know, that $100 climber. You know, to be honest, if I could tell somebody in college, I'd say, dude, just hunt on the ground. Don't even, don't even waste your 100 bucks and buy that climber. I'd, I'd wait and either buy you a standing sticks or buy you the, the, the two or $300 climber. That's, that's lightweight. And, and mobile. I would say spend your money on the best mobile hunting gear you can get. And then maybe some boots and gas in your truck. Like you, I, I remember being in college, not having money and thinking I, I, the, the biggest purchase after I, I, I got a little, a, a good job was going to be a, a nice bow, you know, a Matthew bow or whatever. Dude, I buy a used Matthews bow, a couple years old, buy the best mobile hunting equipment I can have, fill my gas tank as much as I can, and scout. Um, so, so, so that would be number two. Number three, 
I would say time management, um, and, and and that boils down into a lot of factors. But dude, if you can, you know, if you can get up earlier and drive to that better piece of public because it's an hour and a half away and not just like forty five minutes, I would say that kind of like may, maybe discipline is is, is, is something that you got to look at um, because you, you're going to have to sacrifice sleep. You're going to have to sacrifice you know, time, you know, time with your, 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 your friends, even, um, you know, you're going to have to get up earlier. You're going to have to be disciplined about your approach. I, I, I think that's, I think that's it. Um, you know, even the guys I hunt with, um, I'm probably the one that gets the most time just based on my life situation and how bad I want it. Um, and, and, and I think it boils down to some of that discipline, time management, you know, I get up early. I get up every day at like 4.35 a.m. I edit for a bit and, and, and then go to my day job. But but I'm also able to then, you know, get off the day job and either either go glass a night or two a week um, on, on weekends. Dude, I can't remember the last time I got up on a weekend past 6 a.m. I You know, I just get up at 5 and I, and I either go run some trail camera stuff. Maybe I go uh, um, even glass in the mornings. Like, as crazy as that sounds, dude, I, I laid eyes two to three weeks ago on the same buck I've been watching all summer in the morning solo now, um, not running with a bachelor group. And, and I know he was kind of headed towards the general direction and he was up oh, 30, 40 minutes after daylight. Like he's not going to go very far after that. Um, yeah, no. so, so yeah, that those, those are the three things that I, I feel like took me from a guy that, that was super passionate about deer hunting to being able to like get that opportunity at, more good bucks on public land here in Ohio. Yeah, I think those are all key. I know, homie, you stepped it up. Homie used to play softball, used to be a champ at that, Mm -hmm. used to ride Harleys all the time, go on bike rides, and he pretty much gave up everything. Two years ago or? Uh, Yeah. Two years ago. And have since you've done that, have you feel like you've learned, uh, like, way more than you were back just two years ago before you were doing all that? Yeah, I have. And, you know, I, I credit a lot of that to doing this every week, talking to different people throughout the country, um, really listening. And not only this show, but, you know, all the other podcasts that I listen to, um, you know, watching people like the Whitetail Experience hunt and hunt different ways and try different things. Uh, you know, if you just really go all in, you know, it's amazing what you can learn in just a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I really, I, I think you, you hit it a hundred percent on the head and, you know, realizing too, that that's, that's also easier on the family. If you're not spreading yourself so thin with softball or golf or, or some of these other things, if you like, okay, I want to be able to shoot big bucks. And then, you know, most of us got families. I know you guys got families, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 it's literally like, you know, that, that little balance and, and you take all those other things that are kind of, distractions or time away from 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 your family and it's just whitetails family life job and and let's be real um that job is it's the nine to five man you know i know you guys put in a lot of hours behind this brand 
Um, and then you also want to be good deer hunters and then, and then it's the family life. Yeah. I, I think, I, dude, I think homie just hit it on the head, man. Yeah, I think so too. I, I, uh, that's all I do is get, talk about deer, do something deer, run a podcast and work and yep. take care of the family. That's literally it. I, I have no other hobbies. Like I don't watch sports. I don't do anything. I, yeah. I, I ain't got, I just, I don't have time. It's either, it's, it's all whitetail or nothing. And like me and yeah, homie dude, say it all the time. It's, yeah. It's so hard for us to find guys that are like us. We work in a construction trade, like rough guys. And there's some deer hunters, but there's not, there's no one like me and homie where it's just like eat, sleep, breathe. Let's kill some giant deer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel yeah, like that's like what a- separates people that are successful year after year and the people that aren't. And it's just dedication is what I think it is. It's, it's, not letting yourself quit to and not being satisfied, like you said, waking up earlier because you know your chances are better on this piece of public that's a little further than the one that's close. Sure, yeah, dude, that's that that that's a hundred percent. Like, I feel like um, oh, kind of your mission behind this podcast is those those second tier killers, uh, those average Joes killing above average bucks. I'm gonna coin that phrase. There you yeah, go. That's um, pretty solid. <laughs> <laughs> but you know you. you what are those guys doing? And it's literally like whitetails are a very big priority in their life. Yep. And, you know, that was the one thing I told myself when, you know, that's what I decided I was going to do. And, you know, I'll be, I'll be completely transparent. You know, four or five years ago, I hardly picked up my bow in the summer. Um, I was just an okay archer. Um, but now, I mean, I'm not even, I'm not it that good of an archer now but you know i know a lot more i shoot i've shot this year i thought i shot my bow a lot last year but this year um i've even stepped that up a little bit more i'm shooting five to six nights a week so i'm probably getting you know anywhere from 150 to 200 arrows um you know i feel like my 40 is like my 20 used to be you know two years ago so and it's amazing how fun archery is or just shooting in general when you're good at it. You yeah. know what I mean? You you're just not like it. spraying and praying. Or even like, even when you can decipher why you're being bad at it, you're like, oh, I dropped my arm, you know, yep. or, or, you know, I, this wasn't right. Or I, I, you know, I flinched my hand, you know, it's small stuff that, you know, like once you shoot a while, you're like, well, that's why I'm just like the other night I snapped you. I'm like, I'm, I did good, but I dropped my arm, mm-hmm. you know, this last yeah. two sets. And Brian, yeah. Byron, I'm sure you can attest to this. Like, you know, I work out, uh, six days a week and I was shooting two weeks ago and for like three days in a row I shot really bad not re- really bad but I wasn't shooting to where I thought and it kind of wore on me mentally but it was because I like had a really good chest day and my chest was sore and then like I just told myself like that's what it is so I, p- I put my bow down for two days I didn't shoot and then Kind of, you know, felt like my body was recovered and went out there and I was back to what I would call my normal self, you know. So just like Cody said, it's just doing them things and learning and realizing, recognizing that, you know, why why am I shooting bad? Sure, sure. Or And I know you guys put a lot of time behind uh, either trail camera inventory, putting trail cameras out. And I saw the, like, a couple of weeks ago, you were glassing some fields and you um, you'd been there the week before, had to move your truck. And, and I, I think too, like, you know, you're putting in that extra, a uh, little effort. And I find myself doing more and more, like, I don't shoot like I used to, I used to be kind of into some 3d stuff, 
and, and I spend more time now scouting than I than I do behind the bow. Uh, and that's also, you know, hanging out with some of the, the those guys that look at the bow as almost just like a tool, and it's not really like a huge part of what they do. Um, but 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 yeah, the, I I feel like, dude, it, it's those little extra efforts that that, that kill deer. And I I say that little details kill deer. You know, do you wake up ten minutes earlier? You know, do you do you take your trail camera photos and, and throw in a wind factor? Do you see a buck and then check the weather and what's it doing? You know, Monday, do you check the the, the schedule for the week and realize Thursday is going to drop ten degrees, even though it's like August third, but it's going to drop seven degrees or ten degrees from the day before? Like that's probably the best night to go glassing. So I'm going to take care of my wife Monday, Tuesday. I'm going to be like do something on Wednesday, but Thursday I'm going glassing cause that's probably the best day. I, I, everything you guys have just said, like definitely resounds with me. I, I think you just smoked it right there. Like if, if you start doing them little things and you know, you see the benefits of it, it's going to become just, you know, part of your routine, part of your habit. And it's not going to feel like extra work at some point if you just keep doing it. Sure, sure, yeah. And, and yeah, then yeah, that's when it. it really becomes a game changer because then you're doing a little bit more to feel like that you're actually working. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, I mean, you're just next like you're just non-stop. like us three. Yeah, us three are talking. We're just really in it now. Oh, yeah, dude. And, and I've got to, like, every day I got to do something that's, like, white-tail related, like, just for, like, my hunting prep or purposes, whether that, that be messing with gear, um, you know, washing my clothes, looking at the weather, looking at maps. Um, hell, even like when I go to Costco, I'm like, hmm, do I need batteries for my trail cams? Cause that's the best price I found. Yeah. You're always thinking about something. My yeah. wife said, that's all I think about. <laughs> she's always <laughs> telling me, do you ever, she, she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I oh, look at the trail cam pics. She's like, that was from three years ago. I'm like, yeah, but it was, you know, you never know. And I'm going to come in handy, <laughs> you know? So, She's like, you killed that buck. I'm like, I know. I'm just seeing, you know, why he was there, going through the stuff. But uh, um, this isn't something that we covered. I think it'd be really cool because we haven't covered it. But I want to know what your goals are for public this year, and then I think we should go over ours. That's something that we yeah. haven't really, really covered. Yeah. So, like, my public land goals, um, I've got three. Obviously, first and foremost in Ohio, it's a little. Sh- I got four. So. First and foremost, here in Ohio, like I kind of want to shoot a quality buck. And for me, what the, what does that look like? Hmm, I'll say like a a mid to upper 30s, 10, maybe 130 inch is kind of where I'm at. I know, I know from trail camera scouting, blah blah blah. Like if I put that kind of deer down, that that's a top top buck that I'm 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 able to to get onto. Um, number two, and this is this is something that that like I do a really good job. I feel like the last I don't know, five-ish years uh, of off-season scouting. But number two is in-season scouting. And, and what, to me, that looks like is um, scouting my way in. Obviously, we talked about that a little bit earlier. But, like, October 10th and average temperatures, like, I don't need to sit for two and a half, three and a half. Dude, I, I'm good at sitting in trees because I'm like, dude, I don't want to tear down. But I need to, like, hunt that first hour and a half, tear down, and go for scouts. Um, I got enough pins from Onyx off-season scouting that I can go find what's hot. And, and, and that's something that is like a huge, huge thing that like um, hanging around with, with Cody and Andre DeQuisto, like, you know, I can mirror what they're doing. They, they have this philosophy, hunt, scout, hunt. And, and, and like 
every day you've got to do something and it could just be driving around and, and monitoring hunting pressure. It could be, okay, I've got this trail camera, maybe 200 yards from a parking lot, but like I can go, I can go check that and maybe get some sort of lead. But like for me, number two, in season scouting, uh, popping over to oak trees, stuff like that, dude. Um, that is a huge area of an improvement. If I look at my whitetail bucket, that's a hole that I, I, I want to get plugged. Um, Number three, owning trail cameras on public. Like in years past, I've just like set them aside, let them soak or just like not even use them. And like I'm to the point now I've got blueprints on, on these areas. I've got the skills and abilities to, to go find these bucks. I, I If I get a picture of a buck, that's a huge thing for me. Like I can, you know, especially a good one. Like those aren't very common on public land, but I've got the skills, abilities, and I've got the time right now that I can go – I can go find that deer or at least maybe get a good, decent crack at him. He may not live on public, but to make that effort after finding that trail camera. So that's, that's three. And then out of state, dude, I love to kill an out of state. My standards get a little reduced out of state. I'm kind of looking for that 120 ish buck. Uh, uh, I'll be hunting probably Indiana and then maybe flirt with another state. It, it just kind of depends at this point, but I'd love to hear what you guys got in mind and, and what you think, you know, this season's going to entail because it, it sounds like you guys are going to hunt public maybe more than the last couple of years. I think we're going to hunt it more in private, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Well, public or urban, one or the other. Or suburban. Uh, Subur- you, yeah. Suburban. Suburban. It's suburban sounds cool. Yeah, suburban. <laughs> You've been seeing too many big bucks killed by Seek One. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. I got, I got, I'm in, I'm in on the suburban this year, man. Mm-hmm. I found me a little nest egg. We're going to see what happens. So go ahead, homie. You run yours and then I'll run mine. Um, so. My first goal is to just just hunt. Like it literally go in there, pack it in. Um, I got a new new lone wolf setup, sticks and stand, just to literally go out there and hunt is my first goal. Like, cause I mean, you got to hunt to even be in the game. So step one, just hunt. Um, second goal is to shoot a deer. Just you okay. know, whether it be a deer, uh, you know, a doe or um, you know, then I'll put my third one out there as just, I don't know what size, you know, like I know where my standards are at on private pretty much, you know, I'm looking for the 135 and up buck. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to pull that back and drop down to like a 120 or something that would be, you know, you have to see what the trail cans are. Yeah. And you just have to go off what they, and you know what they've read so far. If you got like six, you know, so it's hard to say. You know, we got there. three solid, so it's hard to say. Like, ah, I'm gonna back it off, but yeah, it, you never know. Publicly in six, though, he's gone. I'm, I'm, you, I'm, are you gonna smoke him, yeah, dude? I'm I on would. the edge. <laughs> I'm on the I heard edge you guys right talk now. about him. <laughs> I'm on the edge about that buck, but is that it? Is that all your? Yeah, just three. Yeah, three. Uh, mine is my number one goal is I want to see if my winter scouting coincides with what actually is going to happen because i told i tell homie like this looks good but i might be completely (laughs) batshit crazy you know what i mean i think this Mm -hmm. what might be happening you know what i mean but it'd be it'd be satisfying to me either way because it's going to be learning like if i think this is what's going to happen and then it's like nothing i'm like well okay yeah that was dumb you know i'm not going to do that again Mm. i read this wrong you know what what is actually going on so i'm excited for that because i spent and the thing about it is, like, you're, we're just going to have to let the year play out because, mm-hmm. like you said, you were back in there during shed season, you know, middle of February, middle of March, and, you know, that's when you were seeing all that sign. So, you know, 
the trail cams might be shit right now. Yeah, you know they might be, and they might and not turn on till late October it, it, exactly. or November. So you're just gonna have to let the year play out, and you know we'll just revisit this. You know at the beginning of next year. That's one thing we always, me and homie, always say. You need a year or two somewhere to get that data because we just dove into this new piece of public. It's it's a pretty good dip, jaunt. You know what I mean? But it's worth going yeah. because the pressure's lower. Um, sure. See, and, I, we just talked about that. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's kind of a little hidden gem. Um, but yeah. uh, the thing is, is, like I said, I want to see if what's there, what I think's happening is happening. Um, we, I did run cams on it last year. was on some Megas, mm-hmm. um, some really nice deer. Uh, like I said, I'd never seen a shooter, though. Trail cam picks showed them there. Um, nocturnal. I had one buck. That Tim is probably 150. It's probably really nice. The, the short-tined heavy 10. Yeah, and then he was running with the Mega. Yeah, he was running with the Mega. Yeah. I had him. I was getting him like 45 minutes past dark. So I knew yeah. where he was bedding. And you were moving sure. the cams back. And I was moving back, bread trail on the cams back. back, trying to follow him, you know. And, and I knew I had a really good idea where he was bedding, but he's one of those bucks that I was like, I was I was stuck on my private land phase. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. going to play it safe. You know, if I would have crushed in and went after that. So that's my second goal. I want to be insanely aggressive. I know. I, you're you're Mr. Uh, tiptoe, man. I'm a tiptoe as hell on my private, dude. I am scared to death at the hunting pressure around me, there's nothing worse than seeing a 188 get crushed by the neighbor. You know what I mean? <laughs> like a once-in-a-lifetime eight-pointer. I'll send you pics, dude. When you see it, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that's 180. People say that, hear me say that, and they're like, oh, he don't even know what he's talking about. But, dude, it is, it is a mega, and I had him at 65 yards. My grandpa oh. from Missouri almost shot him that same day. You know what I mean? And uh, I got sheds off of him the year before that, you know, and he's – probably like a 140s eight then he's got like a foot brows you know what i mean they're mm-hmm. ridiculous but uh, um i just want to byron yeah. uh t- i believe 14 hours before for 16 hours 16 hours before cody shot mr freeze we were literally sitting in the stand together and cody's like you know man what am i doing wrong you know i haven't had like a real solid opportunity this year and i just told him i said you need to be more aggressive you know i mean that's he because it only you tell him that i did i did literally 16 hours before he shot mr freeze and then he goes back to that set the next morning and then shoots him yeah and it wasn't the ideal conditions to be there and i told the homie i said uh, it's good enough. And then I went, I was like, I know how this draw plays. Mm-hmm. When I got in that stand, it was money. The Dude. wind was blowing money. But when you're not in that draw, it wasn't money. Yeah. You know I, what I mean, and it was almost like no matter what the way the wind was, it was always, always no- the same. Yeah. yeah. It's always, always, it always blowing down that creek bottom northeast. Yeah. Something about it coming off that ag field, that open area, hitting that hard sure. block of timber and cutting down that draw. Um, but yeah, that, it was money, but that homie was right. He told me to be more aggressive. So that's my second goal. I just want to be like last year. If I get a buck where I like almost guarantee, like this buck was betting in an 80 yard strip water on one side, ag on the other. And like, yeah. if I crest the hill over that ag, <laughs> he gone, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. well, and, and like my family has 18 acres and dude, like the best thing I learned about that 18 acres is not hunting. It is probably the best thing to do, but like on public. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta go cray. I told him, I said, I want to go in and hunt off the ground and do some rattle stuff on certain (laughs) points that I found. I want to do some crazy stuff. I said, if it don't, if it, if it doesn't work, 
no one to know. But if it works on Cam, it's going to be epic, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, right. You know what I mean? Well, like, and you, me and you were texting earlier this week about like, dude, hunting bedding areas in the morning. And I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of aggressive, dude, but like, I'll like, I mean, that I'll stuff public, scares I, me, man. That's scary. I will blast into a bedding area like two hours before daylight. Cause, well, and my thought is too is like, well, I'm either going to kill him, see something that tells me I need to hunt here again, or if it's not hot or if I don't have the opportunity, oh, well, I gave it like my best effort. And, and, and I have so many of those those bedding areas that, that I know could hold a good one or, or are going to be holding those for the rut. Like I can do that. I can afford to do that. But like, yeah, like I, I understand the private land tiptoe method. I mean, I've been super successful, 21 acre piece and yeah. a 40 acre piece to kill the bucks that I have without bumping them off. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, targeting and kill them. Uh, but like I said, public, I'm the God, I got to go more homey on this. I just got to go in <laughs> on like homes and say, Hey, <laughs> Hey dudes, I'm here. Let's, let's party. You know what I mean? Uh, right. That's, that's my and game think, plan. And I think those skills, like that combination probably is going to make you a better deer hunter. And let's call it like two to three years. You, you'll like, I feel like those guys and, and, and basically what this podcast is about is finding those those next level killers that are, that are working the jobs and average Jones don't have a TV show, but like all those guys are aggressive when they should be. And then also tiptoe when they should be, and you know, guys like you and I, in our stage of life, we're, we're wanting to be that, that, that new class of, of next level killers. I think by you guys spending time on public and, and understanding kind of some of that, that mobile game, some of that aggressive game, some of that, scouting is the key game i guarantee you you will turn around and apply that to your private land and you guys will kill more deer because of your time on public i think so too uh last year i did eight packing hunts and i told homie i said i want to double or triple that this year and really try to and, la and last year i didn't do it with the best equipment and we got mm. good stuff this year we spent some money yeah. and made some good some good equipment and uh we're going to try to dig in uh third goal or like my stigma or what I want to shoot. I'm sure. not hundred percent positive. I would really like to just shake the world and shoot a 193 <laughs> and then shoot like a 120. You know what I mean? Cause I just think it would be just a mature, nasty, like I imagine this 10 pointer has got like four broken tines. You know what I mean? Just like a, a, a 120 class buck. He's got like four he's broken, broken tines. Yeah, he's just yeah. tore up, you know. And then I go from that picture to that picture, like the profile picture. I think that would be super solid. Um, the Public Land 6, I got back-to-back -back history with them. I think that's a four- or five-year-old deer. Just a same rack. Just the same <laughs> rack. I mean, exact yeah. same. A little more massy, a little more main beam length. Might scored 90 inches. 80 inches yeah I'm thinking you know, 80. 80. <laughs> but just a sick deer you know that you got history on public with got trail cam picture of them seen him last year passed him last year uh i think that'd be cool uh i don't i can't i don't think i could shoot that though that's what i'm just saying i don't think i could mentally be like okay here's a buck tag and it's yeah, gone you know right, what i mean right but uh yeah. us being a two buck state that's something we have going for us and it depend on the time of year if it's getting later and the and the six walks sure, out yeah. maybe <laughs> maybe maybe you know what i mean but dude people people lie dude you're 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 uh your standards for for the average dude i bet they they shift and they adjust and oh yeah 
you can only kill the biggest buck that that's on the peas. Oh man, we know there's some megas on there. That's mm-hmm. the problem, you know. You, oh! And you and you know and the stuff that beat that butts up to it is just some of the most incredible ground around. You know, sure. I mean, if you look and see what's killed off there, you're like, okay, wow, all right, we're on to something here. And then you run trail cameras and uh, how many points did that buck have last year? Like 15, 16? Yeah, a lot, yeah. Probably high 160s, 170 class deer, um, repeated on cam, on public. You know I mean? That just don't happen all the time. And then you found really good shed. Yeah. You, you found your biggest shed on a pinch point coming yeah. off of public. I found, I got permission on a piece that's right next to where I wanted to hunt on public, literally just a waterway. And the deer literally had one option, go to public or stay, you know, on that waterway or go to the other piece of public. And I found, uh, what, what was it? 82. 82 inch typical side, you know, Jesus. coming off that public. And I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, they're here. That's where I'm at. You know, like I need to, I really need to pull cams. We did a soft pool. There's an eight that is frequenting a lot on the scrape yeah. the area. I got him on all four cams. Like I'd seen him, <laughs> how he's transitioned in the area, um, kind of piece it together. And uh, he's probably like a mid 130s eight, really solid deer. Um, sure, sure. 130s eight. Yeah. He's probably a shooter. I'm one of those guys that, like, in the moment, I got to see him, unless you pull sure. the cam and you're like, oh, shit. You know, when you pull the cam and you see it, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, we got something here. You know, you get that higher pitch voice yeah, I'm going. Not the best judge of the velvet shrinkage. Or, yeah, or I'm a terrible, there, you I'm know? a terrible velvet guy. Like, I see a buck, I'm like, yeah, that's, I can't. I'm just thinking he's going to be spindly underneath that velvet, and you really never know, you know what I mean? It's so. terrifying. But yeah, we, I have yet to see a deer come out of velvet and be like, he's still got all the mass I thought yeah. he had, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, dude, My I am king of the 118-inch eight-pointer right now. Oh, man. yeah, man, that's what we it, were telling everybody. Yeah. If you want to kill a 110 eight-pointer, dude, if you want to go to an outfitting business that can get you on that, <laughs> I am your guy because I can dominate the two-and-a-half-year-old or three-year-old 110, 128-pointer. I'm just crushing the game on that. Dude, I I literally called my sister right before this. I said, Liz, I was like, you want to shoot some, you want to shoot a buck with your bow? I was like, you just come hunt with me because I am like, I have got some trail cameras flooded in this area full of 108, you know, 18 inch eight points. And like, I was like, I don't want to shoot that deer. You can let me five, six hunts. I was like, you'll get your opportunity. Now, 130, there's 130 inch eight there. And I, I told her, I was like, you got to understand, like, I'm the one who put on 70 miles. Yeah, like, yeah. They'll be shooting the 130. You know, I mean, if you're yeah, with me, yeah. I'm going to have. like, you got to understand, like, if I say I'm shooting this deer, like, there is no and is for but. But, like, I said 90% of the deer that are going to walk by us in bow range, I was like, you can shoot them. Yeah. I told homie that last year. We're hunting in the stand. And we had, like, if he would have had both sides the same, he'd been, like, a 160s eight. He's got, like, a 16-inch oh, G2, you know. But he's got, like, a, a one side that's, oh, like, yeah. like a. A 128, and the other side is like a 168, right? You know what I mean? Oh, I'm still sending. Oh, yeah. It's, it's an epic buck. Got some base kickers and this stuff. I said, homie, if this deer comes by, wide open. But if Freeze comes by, bro, I'm sorry. I'm shooting him. <laughs> I just straight up called it. I'm like, I'm filming you tonight. I brought my bow. If Freeze cut any other deer. I said, I don't care if a 200 walks by. You can crush him. But if it's Freeze, <laughs> I want him. You know what I mean? So, But I, I'm the same way. I'd be the same way with you know, just like your sister, my wife, I had one buck when she started hunting hard. I had one ten that was really nice. I had on trail cam a lot and I was like, This buck, 
I'm probably going to shoot. And then a, a really nice eight-pointer comes out, like 130. I'm like, oh, man, I ain't shot anything yet this year. I'm like, just shoot it. Just just get it over <laughs> with. <laughs> so, but I pretty much killed that deer. She just pulled the trigger. For that sure. Was it. But she, she brought mott sticks to the blind and wanted to leave 30 minutes before dark. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> if I wouldn't have been there, <laughs> it right, wouldn't have ended right. good. So. All right, man. Yeah, that well, was, that uh, was pretty good conversation oh, right yeah, there. Real good. <laughs> um, uh, tell the people where you can find it, uh, find Whitetail Experience, and uh, follow your content. Sure, sure, sure. So um, I'd love for them to to check out our YouTube channel. Um, I think something we do that's uh, you know I try to put together good, good video content on like our films, our hunts. Um, we've killed some decent deer here in the last couple of years, but. We also got a decent amount of, uh, of like real, like, oh, this is a gear we use, or we break down gear, like, as far as, like, hey, I like this, or this is like, you know, using step aiders. Um, that, that's something too. We could, like, we cover a wide variety of public land type, run and gun type mm, videos on there. And so I think that page, Oh shit, we got a decent amount of videos. I think we got over a hundred videos on there, but but you know, we cover a wide variety of topics. Um, Instagram, um, Facebook obviously, but um, that's kind of the day to day stuff. We we try to post uh, quality photos and images on Facebook. Um, something we're trying to do a little bit more recently is is post some of those oh, actually really identical to this podcast, some of those second tier tactics and and discussions around um, I'm hunting and what, what makes a guy successful or, or, um, you know, what's the best, you know, $50 gear. There's, there's so much trash out there on some of the bigger groups. Um, we try to, 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 to post stuff that, that's actually relevant or people can find, uh, good information on. And, and so that's, that's, that's definitely out there. Yeah. I like um, getting you, on those a lot. I comment mm-hmm. frequently. Um, I like, I read every comment and kind of go through and, you know, when you're reading them, you're like, ah, would that work for me? Yeah. Would that not work for me? You're kind of sure. going through it. And there's a lot of times, like, I don't think that would work, but I've never tried it. You know what I mean? So that's a good mm-hmm. learning place for people to learn, too. Um, sure. To go on there. And uh, I, we had that. We had the hard question of the day on Twitter for, like, six months. Mm-hmm. And we nice. we broke it down like that and uh, got a lot of good feedback and learned a lot of solid tips on there. You know, stuff that people that you never think about, like, putting your hot hands in Ziploc bags so they last longer and stuff after you use them. Just small stuff that you're like, yeah, I've never would never never even dawned on me that I could do that, you know? Sure, sure. Like, I messaged a dude the other day. He's like, dude, I've killed like three bucks in the last three years on scrapes. I'm like, okay, you're sliding into my DMs. Let me uh, let me ask you what, what you're doing. Dude, he was hunting morning scrapes close to bedding, um, and, and he was saying October 15th through the 30th, and it was just like, I was able to engage with him because I, I realized by what he commented, dude, that's a second tier killer. I need to, I need to follow up on that lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that, that, that stuff's all out there. And then uh, I do obviously some of the work with, with, with local custom gear. A lot of my, like some of the photos, some of the videos, the, those are, those are produced by me. And, and that's, that's, you know, I'm kind of, uh, I'm pumped about that, dude. That's a, a brand that chose to kind of believe in me as a producer and, and I take pride in, in my work there. So I, I would say those, those couple avenues definitely check them out. And 
I would say this podcast too, you know, like I, I, I enjoy what you guys do and, and the films, but also like the, the, the weekly podcast, you know, I think you guys do a good job. So my hats are off to you guys and anybody that likes your comments or follows both pages. Um, I appreciate those, those guys and gals. Yeah, man, we appreciate it. We we've been following you you for a long time. I don't know, mm, yeah, uh, last year when you killed your buck, and you know we we seen that and everything. So super super cool that you know before we had a podcast or anything like that, you don't get to make the deep connections like we did with you. You know we've been on the phone for an hour and a half now. It's hard to get a person on the phone for an hour and a half. So we appreciate you coming on. We appreciate you making content for guys like us. You mm. know what I mean? And I feel like. That goes untold a lot, you know, because there's it's really easy to watch Sportsman Channel, but just like you said, when you get yeah. past that killing stage and you get to like, okay, how seriously, how are these guys doing that? Well, I can't pay to go to five outfitters this year, you know what I mean? How am I going to mm-hmm. get it? And then they revert back to pages like you, you know, where sure. you're getting it done, or pages like us where it shows a couple guys that really don't know what they're doing, <laughs> that just hunts right. like and get you know, and, and gets it done, you know what I mean? And that's no, what, no, and I think your guys mentioned in our mission that that evolving deer hunter and, and that guy that like I said like I said earlier the guy the average guy who works a nine to five that wants to kill above average bucks I think that they need to be listening to this podcast looking at our YouTube channel your YouTube channel and and, and that's that's I think that's going to be the future of this industry I think people are tired of watching that that the, the outfitted hunts the you know the guys with the big farms that we, we you know I. I really think there's a direction change going on right now. So do I. I yep. think it's huge. I mean, it's always cool to see Jury put down a giant buck. I mean, that's not going to get old, but eventually people are going to be like, I can't, I can't do that. You know what I mean? Can't and replicate you it. Can't you can't replicate it? So they're gonna they're gonna have to reach out somewhere. And like I tell you know, I tell a lot of people that the the videos and the podcast never go away. So. I, I hope someone that's just getting into hunting five years from now stumbles into your content and is like, hey, you know, this guy's on public ground. He's just hunting out of a tree stand. He's 10 foot off the ground, <laughs> you know, and he's killing bucks. So I'm, I'm going to go do that. And that's what I want to see. And that's kind of another reason we, why me and Homie are pushing the public is because we want to be a voice for, you know, average guy killing above average bucks, like you said. And I feel like... I feel like I want to know, like, I know the struggles, but I want to deeply know the struggles of hunting public. Like, I want to get out there, and I want to be that guy that's on here. It's like, all right, it's December. I haven't killed a buck yet. You know, my year's coming. It's coming. You know what I mean? And I want to be that guy, and I think people can relate to that. And at the end of that year, I you sit down, and I want to break it down on podcasts. This is where I succeeded. This is where I think I failed. This is the reason I don't think I was successful. And I think people could be could absorb value from that other than some guy saying, okay, I've killed 15 bucks. This is how you do it. There's only one way to kill bucks. You know, you do this. So sure. we're always trying to find some new outlet, new way to to. Ex- to teach ourselves. See, that's why we started the podcast. I said, yeah, what would be better yeah. than to talk to people from all over the country every week and learn something? You know what I mean? And then we get to listen to it again because we forget half the stuff we heard the first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And, and yeah, I, I definitely mirror that. And I really look forward to that, like, kind of season wrap-up talk that you guys will probably do uh, kind of 
maybe January, February timeframe. And I, I really do look forward to like, okay, we hunted public land and this is what we learned and this is how we're going to apply it to, to, to any hunting, not just public land. But yeah, I look forward to that, man. Yeah. Me and homie have had this idea of having people on and then we want to have like a collaboration. At, did I say that right? Collaboration. Collaboration at the end of season. Sure. Um, and say, you know, just 20 minutes. We'll put like four guys on that we've had on and say, yeah. okay, you know, let's talk about the buck that you were hunting this year. How'd it go? You know, and then why do you think it went that way? What was the tactic that made that? And then put that in, a, you know, there might be half might be successful, half might not, but you get that collaboration. Homie kills me on my vocab and spelling. <laughs> my collaboration of the normal guy that's like, okay, you know, th- this is why this he thinks this guy wasn't successful, and then maybe one guy can relate to that. So that's something that we are going to do. So hopefully we can mm-hmm. have you back on after you kill like a 160 on public this year. And I love I love putting that. Let's put that out there. Let's put that out there. You know, I'm I'm a very big believer on 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 positive positive thoughts, and and so I like that. I like that a lot. You're gonna kill like a 160 11 pointer with two base kickers. Um, okay. Probably like the 23rd of October. That's just okay, a random I like day. That. <laughs> just we, calling we, it out. Hey, it's like a hey, Wednesday. Hey, yeah, it's like a Wednesday <laughs> midday. It's gonna be ninety-two. Go it my, is Wednesday. <laughs> let's, let's go a morning bedding area, beat him back to bed kind of. Oh man, that'd be epic. So yeah, Dude. we'll uh, we'll plan it now. We'll we'll schedule to have you back on at the end of season, or even after <laughs> someone killed. I think it'd be cool to have him back on and and sure. break it down. You know, but uh. We, uh, we appreciate you coming on, man. I let this one run a little long because I knew it was going to be good, and uh, we had such a good conversation going. I didn't want to cut her short, so we appreciate okay. you spending some time with us tonight. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it, and definitely uh, any of your listeners definitely need to push the like button on, on this podcast, leave my review, because I've done the same, and I appreciate what you guys do on a regular basis. That is what we call a heater. Yeah, that was a good one, man. There's a lot of tactics in there. We're bouncing back and forth. Really good conversation. We went like 50 minutes and didn't even look at a note. We were just, yep. just ripping, you know what I mean? So that was a lot of fun. I feel like he's one of those guys you can, just like the last breath guys when we get him in the studio, you can mm-hmm. just bounce back and forth with them guys because you relate so well to them. You can just talk and talk and talk, you know, and they got so much knowledge that you can barely an hour, you know, you just barely get the surface. Up, yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. One thing I want to bring up is, you know, he was talking about hunting like in your old ways and, you know, you got to break out of that and he's going to hunt, you know, a little lower in some trees this year because it's the right spot to be. So, you know, one thing I took away is kind of break out of your mold because if you just keep doing the same stuff you're probably just going to get the same results and maybe i mean everybody's got that stand that's just fire you know you can go there you know and have really good hunts but try something new and you know you never know what's what's going to happen until you do it yeah i like that he said you know us breaking out of our shell and trying something new is going to make us better hunters in the long run yeah because either going to end two ways it's going to end terribly bad or it's going to be epic like i said i mean it's either going to end up like Wow, I should have been doing this forever, or or may I, it didn't work out too well yeah. for me. You know what I mean? So, but you never know until you try it. You know, and I mean? we'll learn so, more by it being garbage. Exactly, and you might you know be able to do the same thing, just tweak it a little bit, and be successful. And it's going to take eight garbage ideas to exactly, find the one to find that's one that's just <laughs> banger. <laughs> yep, that's like eight episodes are pretty much garbage, <laughs> and then we get one solid one. <laughs> All our listeners are like, yeah, that's about yeah, right. That's about right. right, but. 
All right, man. We we uh we always say it. We love you guys. Um, get out there and kill a dang deer because we're probably struggling to kill a deer right now. <laughs> um, uh, leave a legacy. Make some blood trails. White till legacy's out. Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest. Me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king. But who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver. Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV.